Welcome to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. Here we will discuss all things related to physical preparation, including rehab, performance, and education. Um, basically, you guys use kettlebells and dumbbells in your classes, right? We do. Yes, we do. No barbells, though. No. no. Do you guys do overhead swings like that? Mm, some members tr tr tend to, but I, I try, Holly and I try to tell them to go no higher than shoulder, shoulder height when the kettlebell swings. Love There's it. no real reason for, for them to swing up that high. I don't, yeah, that, I feel like that would hurt them over time, but we always try to tell them go eye level with the kettlebell swings and make sure you, you know, drive those hips forward. Perfect. I love it, Chuck. Um, and, and basically, when you look at the roots of back to the roots of swings and originations in Russia, I mean, they're really only going heavy and they're going to like belly button level. Right. And then all of a sudden, certain fitness trends come along and then we're doing overhead kettlebell swings. But if both clients and trainers that are on this call, you can look at oops, sorry, um, you can look at this and you can see how this is not ideal for shoulder position, for neck health, for shoulder health. And this is, like you said, Chuck, this is going to lead to a slew of problems. If you don't feel it on the first rep, um, volume of repetition going through multiple reps in a class or just over time, over months, um, you know, it's definitely not an ideal shoulder position, right? Um, you guys don't deal with that. But then here, handstand push-ups, which um, – I don't think you guys do, but many of your clients may have done in the past or may continue to do at home or whatever. Um, we, go ahead. we do handstands, but not the push-ups. Right. Yeah. And, and we can see here, guys, like when you start to get into, you know, and we'll talk about it, ideal shoulder range of motion, there's a lot of people forcing themselves into shoulder range of motion through back extension here. Right. So what what we talked about last time with low back pain is that the body doesn't have the ability to find a certain range of motion um, in one joint of the body or a group of joints. It's going to find it somewhere else. So what you see in a lot of these people who are kind of forcing themselves into handstand posi positions is they may not have shoulder good shoulder flexion, which is bringing your arm up overhead um, mobility or range of motion. So they're getting it from their low back here. Um, so just again, you'll, you'll see throughout this, this talk today is low back and shoulder health are almost, um, they're wholly integrated, right? So, um, you can see here how this is putting a lot of stress on, um, her low back, right? And you can see here how shoulders might not be in a great position and that's why they're getting the stress here. But you're also especially if she tries to do a push-up in this position, she's going to be cranking on this joint in not ideal position. So the question then brings us to why would you drive a car with poor alignment? You know, if your car, if the wheels aren't properly, properly aligned, you're not going to drive it at hundred miles an hour. It's not going to be a high performing vehicle. So why, um, you know, the, the analogy here would fit where, why am I going to put full body weight on a shoulder joint and a low back that are not in an ideal position? And then if they're going to try to do a push-up, why would I do a push-up in that position? Right. Um, so we can see then how some of these things end up happening with people over just volume of doing things. Right. 
Um, so the shoulder is, is a pretty complex joint, but really the only thing that's holding the shoulder to the body is this joint right here, right? Can you guys all see my cursor? Okay. Um, so we, there's, there's, there's multiple joints in the shoulder, but this, um, sternoclavicular joint is the one thing that really holds the shoulder complex to the body. Um, you do have what we call the scapular thoracic joint, which is this shoulder blade um, connection of muscles to the rib cage. But this is like the, the, bone, the only bony congruency that holds the shoulder to the body. So there's a lot of stuff going on here through just a small little joint. And we'll get into it. But I, a lot of us, therapists, um, physicians, trainers, clients don't think about the influence of this rib cage and how it impacts the shoulder blade position to make sure that this arm bone, the humerus, sits well in this shoulder, shoulder blade, right? Um, so, so to me, this, again, if you can see my cursor and if you can't let me know, this joint here, this rib cage and shoulder blade joint, the scapular thoracic joint is our, um, the most important joint as it involves the, the shoulder. And it's one that we, um, many people forget about um, and that we need to pay more attention to. Um, and then you can see here that the, the, the shoulder has a lot going on and it tends to get beat up a lot because then you're sitting a big ball of this arm bone on a small socket. So people, um, the, the analogy has been made with like um, people who throw baseballs, overhead athletes, that it's like throwing a can, it's like shooting a cannonball out of a canoe, right? Because you're putting a lot of force through this joint that's not very stable because it's a big ball on a small socket, right? So these are all the different components of the shoulder. You have your shoulder blade, which is your scapula, your humerus, which is your arm bone, the clavicle, which is this bone here, and then the sternum, which is here. And then the different joints are this glenohumeral joint, this acromion clavicular joint, the sternoclavicular joint, and then the scapular thoracic. So there's a lot going on, and that's why um, this, the shoulder is a, is a place that um, we treat a lot because people end up in pain, especially when they start to loan, load in opportune positions, right? Um, so now we start to bring, um, does anybody have any questions with that? Sorry, let me, and if I get carried away, just stop me guys. No questions. Okay, cool. Um, so now we get into the special considerations when you start to bring muscles into the equation. Again, if you can see my, my cursor here, um, there's all the muscles of the rotator cuff, there's biceps, there's triceps on the other side of the arm, there's muscles that hold the shoulder blade to the rib cage. So you're looking at um, both static and dynamic, so um, no motion and motion constraints. You're looking for, um, you're checking range of motion issues, and a lot of times you'll find that people will sacrifice a stable shoulder joint or um, to gain mobility, or even just the shoulder is a very mobile joint that we need to maintain that mobility. But that being said, you don't want more mobility than you can actually control. Because again, that's where you'll get into trouble. Um, and a lot of times we'll see that in people who lift weights overhead or who load 
positions overhead is they won't have the stability overhead to control that load and then that's when they run into problems. Um, so like anywhere else in the body, you want a mobile joint for joint health, but then you, you want to be able to stabilize the range of motion that you have so that you best set yourself up for success and, and um, staying injury free. Um, so here, he, uh, this, this, again, this is directly correlated with low back position and some of the posture stuff we talked about last time is um, you can see how the positions of the hips and the low back will ultimately dictate how the shoulder sits, right? So um, if you, your hips are forward and you're, you're leaning back a little bit, you can see how that's going to impact your shoulder blade and your shoulder coming forward. Um, same thing here. And it's just basically, um, it really is, I, I, you know, sometimes it's a pet peeve for me when we just say it's all related as a cop out, but it really is, um, all related. And this, this picture kind of talks about that here a little bit. Um, similar to what I said last time with the low back pain is this posture here, what's considered good posture in this picture. Um, to me is not the most ideal picture. And this is just my opinion because this shows people, the military posture. Yes, we grew up on that. People saying that it's, you know, the ideal position, chest up. Um, but then as we'll talk about in a little bit, um, your shoulder blades are back and squeezed together. And that is, um, a huge problem that I start to see with some of the patients we're rehabbing through shoulder injuries is they're so used to having their shoulder blades back and down what they've grown up with with military posture is they forget to have to let their shoulder blades go up and around which we'll talk about when they go overhead specifically um, when loading lifting carrying um, or just working out and so you can see here again how these people don't have full shoulder range of motion and they're forcing necks forward or they're arching their low back and their whole center of gravity is going forward. Um, and here he's, he's thrusting his neck forward to get the barbell through. So um, now you're starting to load, like she's taking all of that weight through her low back. So if you don't have good shoulder health, good shoulder range of motion, good shoulder stability, you're going to end up with, she's going to, I bet you she has low back pain because her, She's taking all of that pressure right through here, okay? Um, and then as you're jutting your head forward and your back, low back is mirroring that, you're going to end up with low back problems, neck problems, um, and it could be um, a shoulder mobility or a mid-back mobility or a shoulder stability problem, but that's the job of a physical therapist or a trainer to, to figure out and address as part of the program. Um, but I think we talked about it last time a little bit. I think Chuck, we might have, um, where that's where it's our job, where if shoulder mobility is an issue. We just find a different exercise to give to the client. So clients that are having shoulder pain, hopefully you guys, um, instead of working through and trying to do a strict overhead press, you found a solution to maybe try an alternative, um, to continue to build shoulder health within the range of motion that you have available to you. Any questions on that? So yes, once we, cause you know, our camps are pretty big. So once we start to see people kind of 
getting in that that neck forward. Uh, the one gentleman has his chest out. I do see people kind of arching a back. Yep. But, and so you're saying that's all a, a, a shoulder mobility issue. Um, what kind of cues could we give them to kind of like, um, you know, to, to watch how they're moving, moving through the, um, the whole shoulder press movement here? Should we just basically just stop them and grab something else? Or um, maybe it's just like a small cue to kind of like, all right, tuck your hips in. Because a lot of times people get upset when we say, you know, my down to something else. So yeah. I don't want to, I want to find out what cues I can give them so they can see, physically see or physically feel that they can't do this movement once you totally put your body in the right position. And now you see why we're saying you have to mod down instead of just saying mod down. Like what, what's a, um, a good explanation for them? Like so, if they can't have their hips tucked in and if they're arching their chest and stomach as they're pressing over their head, besides that, you know, cause you know, I, 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 that's just, I don't want, I don't want people to hurt themselves moving forward, but also don't want them to get upset. Like saying, Oh, I know I can do it. I know I can do it. But it's like, I know you can't do it because I'm looking at your body but yep. you can't see what I see. Yeah. Um, I mean, that gets, that opens a can of worms, right? Like I know there's a bunch of fitness philosophies out there that get into a lot of trouble, but mm -hmm. um, they have great trainers in there that try to tell people to do the right things. And then people are going to do what they want. Right. Yes. So you, can, you can lead a horse to water and provide them with the information that they're paying you to give them. Mm -hmm. But if, if they want to do it, they're ultimately going to do what they want. Yeah, um, that's true. You figured out the simple test last time, that back-to-wall shoulder flexion. So if you put mm -hmm. your back to the wall, you can keep your ribs down and bring your arms up overhead to touch the wall. Yes. If they don't have full 180 degrees of shoulder range of motion and can't touch the wall with their thumbs with their back to the wall and their ribs not rising, then yeah, I would argue for safety's sake, you shouldn't strict press overhead. Okay. You know, that, that would be yeah. my solution. And, and until they, and we'll go over strategies to get to fix that. But, mm -hmm. you know, I would say you're, you're now doing, you're going to do a landmine press variation so that you're at okay. an angle where you're still pressing in a range of motion that you can control. Yeah. But ultimately that's going to keep you healthier. And if you lose six weeks because you end up, you know, straining a rotator cuff that you're going to be on that back end you're going to be more unhappy than now if we just we change the type of pressure doing over the next couple of weeks while we work on some maybe the soft tissue for shoulder mobility stuff. And then you're still working out at a high intensity, but you're not putting yourself at increased risk of injury. Thanks, John. Appreciate that. Of course. Um, yeah, so I think you, you can lead a horse to water. Hopefully they follow um, your direction. But if not, you know, it's up to them. But um, we, we in our gym, cause I'm, I'm a physical therapy clinic inside a gym. We, um, almost never overhead press people. We're always doing landmine press variations type type deals. So, um, that's just how our strength and conditioning coach and how our rehab process goes. But usually we're giving people solutions that involve a landmine presser or, or um, pressing at an angle that they can control and that they have range of motion in. So, yeah, right, and with landmine presses, we don't, we typically don't do those because we don't have barbells. Yep. So it's very hard for us. Like, that's just one exercise we just don't do. So we have to come up with uh, other variations for them mm -hmm. so they can be in a safer angle with the uh, presses here. But, um, yeah. Yeah, but okay. even, Thank like, you. even if you're, if they're kneeling on a band, if you have, like, a half-inch band, like a big, like mm -hmm. a super band. We do. 
Yeah, and if they're kneeling on a band, then maybe you can have them press a band in a certain range uh-huh. in a certain direction. Yes, um, that's absolutely. where we we have to get creative. You know. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, of course. How about a bottom-up kettle press? Kettlebell press. Love those. Those are the best. Yep. Yeah. Um, because they're kind of they're self-regulating a little bit, right? Where um, you can't go heavy. Um, the range of motion that you're going into is a little more shoulder-friendly than like a strict um, barbell press and even a dumbbell press. But I like those a lot, and and that pulls into different um, bottoms-up kettlebell carrying variations, right? So maybe Chuck, this this is a way you can be creative with someone that's not pressing overhead. Is you go bottoms up, um, waiters carry overhead, and then they're marching in place, or they're going down into a kneeling position and standing up like a get up kind of, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, you know, you can do a waiters carry where your hips and your shoulders and elbows are at ninety ninety um, with a bottoms up kettlebell. So maybe those just become some of the variations with people that shouldn't be strict pressing overhead and that that not not just to chime in here and that will if, if like what chuck was asking if people are reluctant to mod down if you put somebody in a, in a bottom-up kettle press like that it'll quickly expose and help them realize that they don't have the shoulder stability that they think they have oh completely and but then you might get the person just to play devil's advocate that says well i usually press 50 pound dumbbell but i can't press this 26 pound kettlebell I want to press the dumbbell because I want to go heavy, <laughs> you know? Um, but you know, again, you guide them, they're paying for your expertise and you, you just offer them options, I guess. Right. Any other questions? All right. So when I'm looking at a shoulder, I'm looking at um, position. You have to stabilize that position and then you can perform that on that position with strength or um, power, right? So you're looking at position, stabilizing that range of motion, and then strength and power. Um, so the foundation is obviously the position that we've been talking about um, for both this and the low back seminar we did. And this is how we're evaluating that overall function. So there's a lot going on on this slide, um, but it's something we need to look at if we're gonna take a full body approach to um, making sure someone has the prerequisites to be able to do um, a class un- unhindered. Um, so if you're a client, these are some of the things that the trainers are looking at or a physical therapist is looking at. Um, and this is where it, it matters. We talked a little bit about last time. If you're a client who wants to work out four, five, six days a week, um, maybe you talk to your trainer and you figure out a schedule where you're working out three or four, but then you're taking a day to address, you know, wherever the, the fault is so that we can best set you up for success. Otherwise, um, to some degree, you're playing with fire a little bit because eventually something's going to break down. Um, so when we're looking at shoulder, um, just evaluating shoulder function, I want to make sure that you have full shoulder joint range of motion. So that's the ability to get your arm all the way overhead. Get your If you're standing back to the wall, can you lift your arms up um, to touch your thumbs to the wall without feeling like you have to really arch your lower back? If you can't, we need to f- figure out why, right? Um, some of that, so scapular function, so your shoulder blade, is your shoulder blade so used to being in military posture that it's stuck or, you know, stronger in a back and down position versus 
coming up and around to go overhead. Um, so that's a lot of the issue I see with people driving this military posture and wanting to um, keep your shoulder blades back and down the whole time is when you raise your arm overhead, whether it's to pick a, um, you know, a can up and put it on a shelf or try to press overhead in a, in a workout, if your, your shoulder blade should come back and down like the military posture, but then have range of motion to go up and around as you raise your arm overhead, because your shoulder blade is going to give you range of motion overhead. So, um, and that's, that's something that we forget about a lot as trainers and PTs and, and clients is we just go back and down, back and down, back and down, and we get those muscles really strong, but then we forget to get those muscles really strong and responsive when they're going up and around as your shoulder blade goes overhead. Um, so we want to make sure your shoulder blade has full range of motion back and down and then all the way up and around. We want to make sure your, your um, neck can, you can touch your chin to your chest. You can look up at the ceiling. You can turn right, you can turn left. So that range of motion is good. We want to make sure your mid back, which is your thoracic spine, um, has good range of motion and mobility because again, that's where the shoulder blade sits right on that mid back. So if that, um, if they aren't articulating well with each other, that could limit shoulder range of motion. And then of course we get into people who have some extra joint laxity, um, some muscle flexibility thing, um, things, um, core stability and control. Um, people that don't have um, that anterior core, so the front of the core control and stability to keep their ribs down and their hips tucked under, that could lead to them compensating through, um, through certain areas to get shorter position. Um, and then that falls into posture, right? Um, we don't so much need to talk about the, the hip stuff. That's for another discussion. But um, these, the posture and up, these are the things that we're really looking at. And then this would be just quick, easy shoulder mobility. Can you get your chin over to your opposite shoulder blade or to your opposite shoulder here? Can you look up at the ceiling? Can you get your chin to your chest? That's really quick, really easy. Um, get it done quickly. Um, quick shoulder screen if you're a client. If you can't touch your opposite top of your shoulder and opposite bottom of your shoulder, um, you're probably at risk for um, a shoulder injury. So we need to clean that up and get you to do that. Um, we want to, um, again, most people struggle with this other one, this one here on the right. Um, so we want to make sure that you can get your hand to the bottom of your shoulder blade to make sure that you are in a good position to press overhead or to do push-ups um, or anything like that. Um, so that's a down and dirty. If again, if you're if you're a client listening, then just see if you can touch it. Do go through these, go through these, and if you find problems with it, just talk to one of the trainers, and they should be able to give you solutions to help fix that. Um, so that you can stay in the gym working out, meeting your fitness goals without being stuck on the sideline um, due to an injury. So quick question for you, Devin. Yep. Here. So if you are able to do that last one um, where you're reaching underneath of your arm to touch your shoulder blade, but mm -hmm. it's painful, like yes. it's, it's possible, but it hurts. That's still obviously. That is, that's what we would consider. Um, functional painful that and we need to address it pain is you know kind of that you know it could be 
anywhere from a caution sign to a stop sign of, hey, you know what? I need to make get this addressed. I need to make sure that someone looks at it and evaluates it and gives me a solution, right? Um, pain is like the screech at the the grinding when you turn your steering wheel in your car. Eventually, something worse is going to happen, in my opinion. Um, so, so that's something where a medical professional should probably check it out. Um, and you can try some of the self-care things we're going to go on later and see if that, that makes a difference. But um, pain, pain when you're doing any of this is, is something that warrants further examination, definitely. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. So then this is that supine shoulder flexion. So shoulder flexion is the main, um, that and, well, for the purposes of this, shoulder flexion, main indicator of being able to go overhead without pain uh, or go overhead um, without compensation or a different exercise. Um, so we did talk about the back to wall shoulder flexion, which is here as a test, right? So if you're standing with your back to the wall and you feel like you have to make a compensation somehow to get your thumbs to touch the wall, whether it's shoulders shrugging, a low back arch, or flexing your elbows, we need to address that um, to get you to the point where you can bring your arms all the way up straight without pain um, and to make sure that you're set up just appropriately to train. Um, this is another way you could do it. You could try, I don't recommend this, but this is, this was included as some things people do to try to fix it. Um, but you can also go, you can also try if you can lie on the floor and do the same thing where you're just trying to bring your arms overhead to touch the ground. See if you can do that while keeping your low back connected to the ground. And if you can't, then, um, clients talk to one of your trainers to help give you a solution, um, to do that. And then if it's painful, of course, um, check in with the medical professional, whether it's a PT, a chiropractor, um, a physician, um, just make sure that you're getting the right guidance so that it doesn't turn into something more. Question? Um, would you recommend us maybe uh, getting like a PVC stick to kind of work through range of motion stuff to prime our shoulders prior to our shoulder dates for some of the members? Yeah, I, th I think it's appropriate. It just depends what you're doing. And Sometimes I do think, um, you know, PVC pipe, anytime you're connecting both hands, whether it's a floor, a barbell, a PVC pipe, you're going to get, if you have an asymmetry in range of motion, so if, you know, your one shoulder has full range of motion, but your other shoulder only has 130 degrees, um, anytime you have something that connects your shoulders, the, the shoulder with the less range of motion is going to be forced into a position it might not be comfortable in or shouldn't be in. Um, so I do think we, we use PVC pipes. I think that they're appropriate sometimes, but you want to be careful where if there's an asymmetry that it's not causing problems in the, in the shoulder that has less range of motion, if that makes sense. Thank you. Yep. Um, so here, rib flare, this falls back into this right here, this low back arches, this middle picture, right? Um, there's many reasons why that might happen. And this is, this is what um, we've been talking about kind of through and through with some of the overhead kettlebell pictures, the barbell pictures, Chuck, you touched on it, is if you go overhead and immediately your ribs rise like this, you are getting range of motion from low back instead of shoulders. You're getting range of motion from your um, mid back, your rib cage tilting backwards instead of 
true shoulder range of motion. Um, so, so why is that? Is that because you don't have the control to control position here in your, the front of your abs? Is it because um, you don't have lat mobility and you need to work on lat length and flexibility? Um, so there's a variety of reasons why that might be happening. Um, but um, like with your question earlier, Chuck, you, if this happens, there's obviously a compensation to get shoulders way overhead directly. So you want to make sure that um, you're addressing those issues before you start pressing someone overhead because you don't want someone pressing overhead. You don't want to press overhead if you're a client like this. And Chuck, you don't want your clients pressing overhead if their ribs are up and their backs arched like that, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, and that, that's this overextended posture. And we just talked about some of this. Um, but um, a good cue that we can all think about to get our ribs down and get our front of the core control um, is exhale. So take a good deep breath through pursed lips out for six seconds. And when you do that, you should feel your ribs come down if you guys want to try it now. And instead of really work always trying to get people to tuck their hips under, if you have someone exhale through resistance, like pursed lips, you should feel their rib cage come down and hips kind of follow. Um, if you guys try that now, see what you think. See if that gets it for you or, um, or not. And then you can combine that with that forceful exhale while you try to tuck your hips under, and then you'll feel the position that you should be in. Um, and a lot of times it feels like your low back might be rounded, but I can tell you that it probably isn't because we live in this extended posture most of the time. So anything closer to neutral for most people feels like it's rounded. Um, but again, so um, not to beat a dead horse, but when you can't get your ribs down and your hips underneath you, it's gonna lead to poor shoulder mechanics. It's gonna compromise pelvic floor. So a lot of, if you guys have females in your classes that have trouble jumping around, um, because of leakage, this is one thing that we can sometimes address with that. Sometimes it's as easy as that. Sometimes they need to see a specialist. Um, but also your low back pain people, if they're every time they press overhead, they feel their low back arching. They're taking a ton of stress through that. And when you compound it with um, some of the other activities like squatting or deadlifting and whatever, it just ends up with a hurt back by the end of the workout. Um, but these could, this could be a contributing factor as well by getting shoulder range of motion from your low back. Um, and then these are also people, again, like just talking about how it's all related. If your hips are, you know, this anterior pelvic tilt where your hips are forward, your low back's arched, you're always going to feel like you have tight hamstrings and calves. Um, and it's not a flexibility thing. It's more of a, hey, let's find better position where your muscles will um, be able to work appropriately. And then you can kind of go from there. So that could be an easy, quick fix. All right, so I, wanna, I wanted to give you guys some self-help stuff today. Um, and this is stuff that also can coincide with the low back, um, low back seminar. But this is all, so the way that I think and the way that my clinic thinks is we think from the inside out. You have to build a good foundation of um, your rib cage juxtaposing your your pelvis, and then you kind of build out from there because your hips and shoulders are only going to be as good as your rib cage and hip position. Um, so these are some of the, the ways that we might go after that and helping people 
fine position. Um, some people um, will just have trouble finding position and they need to be put in positions that help them figure out where they need to be. Um, so this is one way that we'll do it is this, this is the 90-90 and we'll have people from this position, I might put a box under their heels instead of their calves where they can pull their heels into the box for a little bit of hamstring activation. And then we're having them exhale so that their ribs come down on top of that. And then we're working a shoulder drill off of that because um, in our opinion, shoulders will be in a better, again, better position if the rib cage and the hips are in a better position. Um, so this is also a good, um, for a lot of our patients, a lot of our um, clients, a good back pain relieving drill um, when they're able to do it correctly. Um, so the, the main thing here, again, like I said, is if we can build this foundation of getting this rib cage stacked on top of your hips, then the joints, uh, the shoulder joints, the hip joints are going to move more appropriately. Um, so getting into further soft tissue type stuff. Um, so neck and shoulders, I'm sure you guys have all used, all seen, um, foam rollers, lacrosse balls being used to self-massage, right? Um, so for good shoulder health, you, you can um, use them to massage your pecs or your chest muscles, your rotator cuff muscles in the back, your upper trap, which on most people is pretty tight. There's always good trigger points there. And a lot of people, if they're coming into class stressed and they carry their stress in their neck, um, get them on a lacrosse ball just to help release that a little bit. Um, lats, foam rolling your lats and foam rolling your mid traps. Um, so we're going to roll through some of these a little bit in case you guys are unfamiliar with them. Um, so this is a great way to get into your rotator cuff. If you put a lacrosse ball against the wall and you can kind of, you can pin down and bring your arm across like Mike's doing here, or you can kind of just massage it around, roll the ball around and find the spots that kind of bother you. Um, generally, my recommendation is start globally, so start with large excursions of motion and then work more focally where you're, you're narrowing down the focus to the spots that are um, the most painful or causing the most pain. Um, I generally, for all foam rolling and self-muscle -rele uh, release techniques, don't recommend that you're digging in as hard as you can to cause a ton of pain, but I am recommending um, getting in there and getting enough of a stimulus to feel it kind of release. Um, I don't think you ever need to cause a ton of pain on yourself, but I do think that this, these things can be, um, helpful in self massage. So you're not having to get a massage every week. Um, some of the mobility techniques for your mid back are um, you can see here if lying on um, on your side and rotating around you can extend your mid back over a foam roller or a peanut which is two lacrosse balls taped together right um, or same thing here is we'll have uh, or people will sit in a chair cross their arms in front of them and just extend back over a chair right or the wall extension is if you're sitting in a chair facing on the wall you can put your elbows on the wall and your hands on your the back of your shoulders and kind of push your chest into the wall and extend your low back from there. 
Um, so stabilizing. So once we have the mobility, we want to make sure that we are stabilizing um, the the positions that you've gained, right? So here to stabilize that those anterior trunk muscles or the front of the abs muscles. These are great variations. You can you guys can see here how. He's on his back, he can feel his position, make sure his ribs are down, his hips are tucked under, his low back's against the floor, and he's pushing into the wall. So here he's feeling abs, here he's feeling, excuse me, um, you know, his arms working to get stability in overhead shoulder range of motion. So he could move back from the, he could move away from the wall a little bit more so that his arms are a little bit higher of an angle and closer to the floor. And there he's really drilling, the ability to keep position in full overhead shoulder range of motion. All right. Um, you can drill the same drill. That's an assessment for us very often. Um, the back to wall shoulder flexion can also be a drill in that anterior core control. Can I keep my ribs down while I bring my arms overhead? And often that might mean I need to do some foam rolling to my lats or whatever, but, um, that's another drill where you're just working on control and it's a good prep drill for a day that you might be going overhead. All right. Um, stabilizing the shoulder. Um, so while there's times that we definitely want to promote um, the ability of the shoulder blade to go up and around, there's also times where we want to make sure that we can, we can kind of pack that, ball in the socket through high tension that keeps everything in its place, right? Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean backing down, but it means um, tensing all of the muscles around it to, again, like that tension will help to center everything and, and called joint centration to make sure that it's, um, we maintain positions during all kinds of stuff. Any questions with that? Can you just expand on what the, this is not lat dominant as far as like, you know, if you're doing a prep, like a, like a bench press or something like that, when you, you know, people talk about firing lats to mm. stable, you know, to stabilize. Yeah. Bench press is a completely different thing. You're the shoulder mechanics on that are completely opposite of what a healthy shoulder needs, right? Cause you're extending your, your, um, your torso, you're packing down lats. Bench press is, you know, it's bench press is a lat dominant exercise. Um, that's why everybody that benches heavy has a torn labrum, right? Um, so what I would say, so yes, there's, so this is where you get, it gets tricky with shoulders and you need to figure out what the client needs. So in my clinic, we're cueing much more shoulder blades up and around more than shoulder blades back and down. There is a time where if you're doing like a heavy farmer's carry, you're going to want to lat dominant shoulders back and down pushing the kettlebell to the floor or the dumbbell to the floor to feel like you're doing a plank while you're walking, doing um, a farmer's carry. But there's also this middle range where you want to make sure that you can tense all of the shoulder stabilizing muscles to keep the, the ball in the socket without having lats overbear all of that stuff um, to drive your shoulder blades down and back. Does that make sense? So, so that would be that would be my distinguishing factor for all of that stuff. It's, and and you really need to to read the patient and figure out where it best fits. 
Um, but there is a place for shoulder blades up and around, which is what we do the most in my clinic. Um, there is a place for high tension, lat dominant shoulder blades back and down carrying heavy weight. But then you also shouldn't, and I think a lot of people do this, is they'll use that huge um, prime mover phasic muscle in the lat to kind of lock down the shoulder where we need to make sure people um, can distinguish a high tension lat dominant activity versus let's tense your all your rotator cuff. You can even get your pec involved a little bit, but let's tense everything to make sure that we can maintain the position of the ball in the socket without lats overbearing everything. I don't want lats doing a prone Y exercise, which is where you're lying um, face down on the floor or face down on the table and picking up your arms in a Y. Um, I want, you know, your cuff and some of your, your mid trap um, exercise or um, mid trap, low traps doing that instead of a, um, a lat doing that. Does that answer your question, Mark? Um, so this is, so again, this is where, um, these are some drills that we will use to help those shoulder blades go up and around to stabilize it. Um, just your traditional cat camel, which has traditionally been a low back stretch. If you're reaching into the floor, as you tuck everything under, you're going to get shoulder blades coming up and around. Um, a serratus wall slide is facing a wall. Um, pushing your elbows into the wall a little bit and making sure your hips are tucked under and feeling your shoulder blades go up and around as you slide your forearms and elbows up the wall. All right. Same thing, but there is good value with a push up with a reach, right? So if someone's not appropriate for overhead pressing and they need to learn how to get their shoulder blades up and around before they overhead press, just have them pre a horizontal press with a push up on the ground and with that little extra reach to feel the shoulder blades come up and around. Um, and that could be an appropriate exercise for them instead of directly pressing overhead. And then this gets into some of your bottoms up kettlebell work. Um, so that's going to be reflexive ro rotator cuff stability, which um, rotator cuffs aren't this um, a prime mover muscle group that should be trained, in my opinion, with a lot of specific um, if you're looking for good rotator health without a ton of um, shoulder, internal, external rotation focused exercises, those have their place in certain parts of a program, rehab program, but um, really training the, the true um, job of rotator cuff, which is reflexive stability, any kind of grip work will do that for you. Um, farmer's carries will do that for you, especially heavy, and then this bottoms up type stuff. Um, we'll do that for you. And then the supine external rotation, internal rotation, if you're doing that with some manual techniques where you're giving manual perturbations, um, I tend to like that a little bit more than using a band to just go through external and internal rotation, especially for a generally healthy population. And then you perform. Once you get shoulder mobility, this guy who's lifting weights up top, I mean, he has... 300 pounds plus overhead, probably more, um, but he has good shoulder mobility, good shoulder stability, and he's good to go. Um, if you are a competitive athlete that has to go um, kettlebell, American kettlebell swing all the way overhead, then you just want to make sure um, the way that we look at that is it's sports specificity. 
So you're not all generally training for health, you're training for the sport specific, specific movement. And we talked about with our low back pain seminar that as you go toward performance, you start to lose health a little bit. But um, that's just, that's, that's what you, you kind of make that consideration when you're deciding what you want to do. Um, but general population, I would say most people or everyone should probably do the kettlebell swings like you were describing, Chuck, to um, waist or eye level. And same thing, even squats. I would say most people probably should just squat with their heels elevated on a surface versus trying to force them into um, a barefoot squat that's, uh, you know, ass to grass or something like that. Um, so how do we prevent some of these injuries? Just like I said, if you're someone that works out five days a week, take that extra day as workout four, but then take a day as like a recovery or prevention where you're making sure you take the time to prep the soft tissue with any foam rolling or mobility drills. Um, you're focusing on stability. So you could run a circuit that's um, farmer's carries, wall assisted dead bugs, um, and whatever mobility drills you want. Um, if you feel like you're going into a workout tired, we talked about this before, it's okay to make alterations. If you, like, if you didn't sleep the night before and you're stressed and you're not eating well, it's okay to go into a workout and say, you know what, I'm going to cut the reps in half today. I'm still going to get a workout, it's not going to do anything detrimental to the um, what I've been on lately, but I know today I'm not just not feeling it, so I need to listen to my body and not crush the workout because I need stuff left in the tank. Um, and again, don't, don't avoid improper mechanics. Don't load something that might not be in the best position to receive load. So again, this comes into how do we train smarter and not harder? How do we the, the biggest predictor of progress in the gym is consistency. So how do we maintain a consistent stimulus instead of going hard for, you know, three months, but then getting hurt and having to take a month off and then getting right back into it for three months, but not doing the prep work and getting out for a month. So um, the biggest predictor to success is consistency in the gym. So even if you're coming in and doing that recovery mobility day, um, that's going to be um, more apt to getting you long-term success versus, um, you know, just kind of yo-yoing up and down because you keep getting hurt. Um, how do you know if you're at increased risk? Previous history of pain is going to say that you're probably more apt to be injured in that area again. Um, total shoulder range of motion, mid-back mobility, neck range of motion, and then that gets into scapular position, does your shoulder blade come up and around when your um, arms coming overhead? That would be scapular rhythm. Um, anterior translation of the humerus is it does that ball go forward in the socket when you're doing a, um, a horizontal pressing motion. So if you're doing a push up, is your or a bench press or a floor press, does the the ball come forward? If it does, you're putting a lot of stress on your biceps, and that's where you'll see a lot of people have front of the shoulder pain. And do you have the core control to keep your ribs down and your hips tucked under as you're moving through the workout? Um, so I, again, I keep going back to this injury prevention is lifelong and it really 20 minutes, you know, one time a week or 20 minutes, a couple times a week is going to go a long way in keeping you consistent in the gym. Um, most of the injuries we see on a daily basis are chronic and they're not specifically acute injuries. Um, so if you're looking for a lifelong training effects, now's the time to get on top of this kind of stuff and make it a habit 
um, versus just addressing things as a reactionary measure when you get hurt. Um, so an ounce of pre uh, an ounce of prevention goes a long way. So it, it you know. Again, with any of these things, there's, there's some common denominators that hopefully, if you guys have watched the low back pain and the shoulder seminars that you'll see, and this you know, is just how you can start to address these things so you can stay in the gym. So you don't end up looking like that, because I guarantee you he's gonna get hurt. I can make that assumption. Um, and then that, that does it for the presentation today. So if you guys have any questions, um, feel free to email me um, or just drop them in the comment and I'll try to come back and answer them um, as we work through this. But do you guys have any questions now? No specific questions, but I, I definitely feel like I need a lot of help. <laughs> Um, everything you're saying is just like very relatable to like how I feel like in my body with my arm and my shoulder and my back and all that fun stuff. Got it. All right. Let me, I'm just seeing some of the comments now because I had you guys on screen share. Let me answer some of those. Um, we also, we lost a few people and they weren't able to join back in. Once it starts, are people not able to join into the Zoom? So there were some comments on Facebook saying they were having a hard time getting in. I know we recorded it, so they'll, they'll have it available once we're done. I don't think so. You should be able to join at any time. Yeah, that's what I thought. Maybe something where they have to completely X out of their browser and join back in. Yeah, because we've definitely had people do that before. Um, all right, so going through this, though. So Jen commented that she wakes up with shoulder pain in the AM after sleeping on her side. Um, what I would say is try a different side or sleep on your back. <laughs> um, the, you, or position yourself. So you may, when you sleep on your side, that shoulder that's down may be coming forward a little bit. And especially if your pain's in the front of your shoulder, um, that's where um, you just might be putting a, some stress on um, some biceps and some of those front of the shoulder muscles. So that would be, one thing to think about is don't let your shoulder come forward if you're sleeping on your side. Um, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen again, Abby, to show you a landmine press. Um, just let me navigate this here for a sec. All right. So this would be a landmine press. where you're pressing, um, I know you guys don't have barbells, you said Chuck, right? But you're pressing at an angle that isn't going fully pressing overhead, but that's keeping him in a range of motion that he's comfortable in and saving shoulder where if his torso is leaning forward, his arms going in front of his nose instead of going try to like in line with his ear. So that's a good variation that we give out a lot to people who can't, aren't appropriate for pressing overhead. Cool. Um, let's see here. All right, any questions, any other questions? 
Um, not necessarily like a question, but with my, my shoulder pain, so kind of similar to what Jen said, like she wakes up from sleeping on her side. I have a very bad habit of putting my hand under my pillow mm-hmm. up above my head, which I know is not, I shouldn't do that, but I just, it, I wake up and I'm in that position. Um, that's when I have a lot of shoulder pain and also my shoulder pain comes a lot from like trying to do when I'm practicing pull-ups uh, more so than like lifting weight um, and like certain movements bother it but other movements don't so I would say how are you practicing your pull-ups what are your progressions and what's the movement is there one single movement that provokes or um, I wouldn't say it's one single moment. Um, it's just like the next day I'll be in pain. It does hurt during like, so, okay. That's a lie. I lied. Sorry. Um, Joe's here chiming in, but when I am doing a pull up, actually like the movement when I'm coming down is when it hurts the most. Yep. So I would make sure that you're controlling the down instead of just flopping down. Are you flopping down or are you controlling the down? I mean, I'm trying to control it the best I can, strength-wise. Right. And I'm mindful of it, but it's still, like, that's where it's the most painful for me. And where's the pain? Um, I would say it's, like, in my rotator cuff, maybe. In the back? Uh, no, more in the front. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that – so, I mean, there's a couple different things, but I would just – I would be – we're wondering what your progression progressions are um are again is your shoulder blade coming up and around and then down and back so you're getting full like your shoulder blade assisting your arm and moving in the range of motion that you should are you ending up kipping because it's hard um you know those are all questions that i would ask and it's it's hard without seeing it or, or knowing any of that yeah. Um, but a lot of times, especially females, and this isn't to knock females, but it's we all know it's really hard for a female to do a pull-up, right? Yeah. So it could also just be a strength thing, and that's where it comes into the progressions that you're using um, to get there. Um, and maybe maybe you are strong, but it, through the process of working up, you just tweaked a little bit of something that you haven't gotten over, so you just need a little bit of soft tissue work or something to get you over that hump, and then you're good to go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And hey, you still there now? Yep. Yeah, speaking of pull-ups, uh, recommendations as far as using bands as assisted pull-ups, and or should we just really mix the bands and have them do like uh, uh, just no bands when they do pull-ups and work on um, you know the negatives, the uh, scapular contractions, the whole all that stuff to strengthen up um, their upper body to be able to do pull-ups. And I like utilize the burn bars that we have, kind of like to do um, pull-ups on a burn bar like the rose. Yep. I like the latter. I'm not a huge fan of pull-ups. I'm not a huge fan of pull-ups or bands as a pull-up assist. Mm -hmm. I think you build strength through like body rows on a TRX or barbells or whatever, um, messing with the angles there as your variable. And then you work up into holds and working the negatives and then um building up from there and if you're just working negatives and having people step on a box grab it and then slowly lower um Mm -hmm. i tend to like that more than like band assisted Mm pull-ups and and what's why not band assisted 
It just so you're not you're still not really getting a true you're not getting a true negative. You're mm-hmm. getting um you know, I you're going to build the most strength in the negative or a temple controlled pull-up versus you know, you doing like a quick one second pull up on the concentric, if that makes yeah. sense. Right. Yeah. Um, so I like when you're looking at true strength building principles with time under tension, you're not getting, you're not really getting that with a band assisting you. Right. Thank now, you. could you use a band to help get you up and then take your foot out and slowly lower? You could. Okay. Um, but cool. if looking at strength and time under tension is the primary indicator of that, like it, I just, I don't think they're providing that stimulus that you need. Okay. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Any other questions? Did you know we now offer personalized remote programming, one-on-one video telehealth sessions, and mentorships for both students and professionals? If you're interested in any one of these, please email John at J-O-N at precisionperformancept.com and he can help you get started today.